You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. In this season of Lent, what we've been doing before we were worshiping online was exploring the pieces and the parts of the Lord's Prayer. And we're breaking down each section of it and looking at it and really understanding what that part of the Lord's Prayer means. And my framework for how we can understand this is that Jesus was enrolling his disciples, those who followed him around, in an apprenticeship school. And he signed them on for a three-year apprenticeship school where they would learn at his elbow, they would learn at the, right next to the master. And at one point, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus' response to them was what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And I love this prayer because it's a prayer that's been prayed for generations. It's a prayer that has been prayed since the beginning of Christianity. Through those plagues and through those early times when the Christians were captured by the Romans, it's a prayer that was prayed on the mountains and in the valleys. And so I believe it's a prayer that matters for us still today, especially today. And the part that we're going to look at today, I believe, is going to help us set a framework for the week ahead. We're looking at the part where we pray, Lord, teach us to pray in the section of the Lord's Prayer. We ask God to give us this day our daily bread. So let me move my bread over here. And I want to begin with uh, the parts of this that we have. It begins in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Uh, this is the part that we just mentioned. And then the part that we're looking at today is give us, as it's translated here, give us the bread we need for today. Give us the bread that we need for today. Uh, and I'd like to try something this morning. I'd like to make this a little more dialogical if we can. Uh, so I'm able to see the comments. Uh, if you have a question or, or a thought or a reflection as we go, uh, you're welcome to add that. Maybe I'll call it out, or if there's a question, maybe I can answer it. But I'd like to make this as two-way as we can. Um, so as we read this particular part of the passage, give us the bread we need for today, I realize that two and a half weeks ago, we would have read and prayed this prayer very different. And now we read and pray this prayer in a much different space than we had before. And I believe that our understanding of how we read this today can teach us something significant and essential as followers of Jesus. Because oftentimes we move through this part of the prayer pretty quick. You know, give us the bread that I need for today, uh, provide the food that I need for today, and I believe that most of us, at least most of us in this Horizon West community, uh, majority of us are able to move through this part of the prayer quickly because we are able to provide for ourselves the food that we need. We don't have a scarcity of food resources for most people, typically. And so we have the money on hand to buy food if we're out. We have the groceries at home so we can make food. We may not always have all the food that we want or all the snacks that we like, but we have uh, an assortment, a, a cornucopia, if you will, uh, of restaurants, of grocery stores, of food resources. Uh, in fact, just outside of our Summerport space, there's a community garden that they're tending this morning. And we can walk over there and find fruits and vegetables and all kinds of things. And so usually as we read this prayer, we move through it pretty quick because we are able to provide that for ourselves. And quite honestly, we don't need God to provide that. I think that's an area where we've said to ourselves, you know, I got this part, God. Maybe you can help me with temptation. Maybe you can help me with praying for my enemies, and we can focus our work over there. 
And so unintentionally, we can forget that God is our provider, that God is our provider. Now, as we read and pray this prayer, in this season, in this time in the world, this prayer takes on an entirely new significance. At least it does for me, and I believe it does for you too. I've noticed myself sitting down to the meals with my family and just feeling an extra sense of thankfulness, of gratefulness, that we have food on our plates. And, and that feeling just began to arise, and I took notice of that over a couple of meals. And I commented how I've become more thankful because I've realized just how scarce food can become. And all of a sudden, when we go to the grocery store, the things that we might need are no longer there, or they're not the ones we usually buy, and we have to substitute and try different things. Where we used to find fully stocked shelves and fully stocked freezer sections, there's a lot more gaps. And so now we're beginning to experience some fresh new challenges in this season. Uh, the restaurants that we used to go to are limited, and we become more hesitant to go out, of course, because we want to make sure that we are staying at home and that we are respecting the reality that, that this is a significant time in life. So as we look at this season of life, what I want us to focus on is despite everything that is going wrong right now with the virus, I believe that God is always working in the deepest, darkest, worst of times to bring forth light. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can take the worst scenario in the world? We can realize that God does not cause these things, that God does not give people the virus. What God does in these seasons is he brings light out of the darkness. And so for us in this season, we can ask what good can come out of the COVID virus? What good can change in this season? And I believe one of the things that we can realize the good is that we become much more aware of our vulnerabilities, of the places where we were able to provide for ourselves before, but when things shift, we have to trust in a new source in a new way. We can also become much more aware of our dependence on God. And we can realize that while we may have had money and funding and plenty of things on the shelf before, it reminds us that God provided all that stuff in the beginning in times of abundance for us, and that we can depend on God in times of scarcity, too. I believe that one of the good things that can come out of this season is that it will push you and I to lean more on God. And so that when we exit this desert time to use an illustration from the Israelites, when we exit this time in the desert, we will be more dependent and more aware of how God provides for us and how God meets our needs. This season is going to challenge us in ways that we have never experienced before, but God is able to meet those challenges, and it begins with this part of the prayer. And so I want to talk about how the first audience would have heard this prayer. Uh, so remember that when Matthew writes his gospel, when Matthew writes his gospel, he is writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And so he's paying close attention to the, the points of connection from what Jesus said to how it connects with their life and faith as faithful Jewish people. And so as he does that, he begins to, to narrate to them what Jesus said, and he says, give us this day our bread, the bread that we need for today. And I believe that what they would have immediately remembered and thought of and what Jesus would have wanted them to think of was the story of their ancestors who lived in the desert. 
And so this morning, I want to take us back to the book of Exodus. If you're following along, it's in the front of your Bible, Exodus chapter 16. We've got the verses here. And I want to read a couple of different sections to you. So beginning in chapter 16, this is uh, Moses' experience when the Israelites had been rescued from Egypt, they'd been brought through the sea, and now they found themselves in the desert. And so in verse 2 it says, The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. Things are going well so far. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and we could eat our fill of bread. Instead, and they're pointing to Moses, instead, you've brought us into the desert to starve this whole assembly to death. So things are going pretty well for Moses in his early stages of leadership, right? They're thankful for their rescue, but all of a sudden they get out to the desert and they're missing things like the kids brought up, the essentials of food. And they're starting to wonder, you know, things maybe weren't that bad in Egypt. Things weren't as bad as perhaps we had complained about. And so what Matthew wants his audience to hear and what Jesus wanted them to begin to think back to was Moses' experience with the people in the desert. They were reminded that they were full then and they are hungry now and they believe that God has left them, that he has brought them through and just abandoned them because now they don't have any food. There was an understanding at work that God causes or wills bad things to happen. And so it becomes the Lord and Moses' fault that they are out here in the season and in need. And perhaps maybe you've seen, I haven't seen much of it, thankfully, but there are those who might look at what's happening in the world and say, well, this must be God's judgment. No, not at all. Absolutely not. That is not the God that we serve. Not the God of the Old Testament or the New. And so instead, what Moses wants them to see and what Jesus wants us to see is how God is with the people through the bad times. Uh, As Sandra commented below, God's love never quits, as we just said this morning in our call to worship. And so I want to continue with the story in verse 4 here. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. Did you catch that? The people will go out and they will gather just enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instructions. So God wants to see will they follow the instructions that he gives them about how they can be provided for in the desert time. So at this point, uh, we see that God hears the cries of his people and provides for them. So God hears our cries and provides for us too. And what God sends is what we call manna. Uh, Now our women's Bible study spent six weeks before the quarantine studying this, uh, so they are more well-versed. So if they jump in in the comments, those who did that study, Uh, They've got some good manna to offer. But the manna was the bread that came down and that was uh, there on the ground each morning and they would go and collect it and they would collect just enough for that day. And and quite simply, you see what's happening here is they would go and collect their daily bread. Their daily bread. 
Now let me fast forward to another part of this story. Verse 19. Moses said to them, again, the instructions, don't keep any until morning. And, and his point was, is connect, collect enough for today. Don't keep enough for the morning or for the next day. Verse 20, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some kept part of it until the morning, but it became infested with worms and it stank. Moses got angry with them. And so every morning they would gather it as much as each person could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted away. So do you see what happened there was they could gather enough for today, but somehow any that they collected into the next day would mold and would become stale, and it was simply unedible. So anything more than daily bread was too much. Now this challenges you and I today, because we are used to stocking up and getting enough. And this tells us to gather enough for the day. And what it tells us is to trust God for the day. So what we see happen is that some decide not to follow the instructions, and they begin to hoard. Right? They're getting enough for today and enough for tomorrow and the next day. Maybe if they need like a midnight snack or if they're watching Netflix, they can kind of bring some extra in. And so they're trying to gather a little bit extra that they can have on hand because that's what we as humans do. And very subtly, what they're doing is, is living this underlying belief that says, God can't be trusted. God can't be trusted. And they're doing that, maybe not with their mouth, but by gathering more than God said he would, they would need, they're saying, well, I know that that's what God said, but maybe there won't be enough, and so I'll just bring in a little bit extra. I know I can trust that stockpile that I've got, because I can see it. I don't know if I can trust God. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. And so what they are experiencing is what we experience when someone or or something lets us down, and it begins to erode the trust that we have in them or in something else. They're experiencing, and we're experiencing, a lack of trust. They're experiencing the fear of scarcity, the fear that tells us that there will not be enough, and if you don't get yours, you're not going to have enough. And you need to take care of your people and your family and your community, and everyone else is going to need to fend for themselves. And that scarcity mindset tells us we can't trust others. We probably can't trust God. We can trust ourselves because we can provide what we need. And it tells us that our main desire ought to be to care for ourselves first and those who are around us at the same time. And I think that more than just an issue of food scarcity or food insecurity at that point, it pointed to a reality that they were living life through their bellies instead of through their faith. Right? They were living based off of what they thought they needed, based off instead of a belief that God would provide. And I want us to see the ways in which this prayer can help us to counter that in this season. Because the whole point of faith is that we're able to believe beyond what we can see. Faith tells us that there is something out there that is either better for us or good for us, and if we can hold on and wait and believe, then we can get to that. Faith tells us that there is a God who is present, who is with us, and perhaps we can't always see what God is doing or understand what's happening in the world, but faith tells us that God is at work no matter what. And the reality is is that they didn't believe that God could or would 
come through for them in a time of need. Their bellies may have been full of bread, but their heart was empty. And so the solution for this is that the prayer redirects us to the source. And the solution for them was to trust each day that if they gathered their bread for Sunday, for today, that God would provide bread for Monday on Monday. And for better or for worse, many if not all of us have been forced into reality that we need to trust that we have what we need for today, not just food, and believe that God will provide what we need for tomorrow. And so as we think about bread for today, I think about how a heart full of Jesus is able to fill an empty belly. That a heart full of Jesus is able to fill an empty belly. Whether that belly is hungry or whether that belly is full, the Lord's Prayer is telling us on one point that we need more than food in our lives to get by. The kids did an excellent job of listing out the resources and the things that we need for survival. And several of the kids mentioned Jesus or a reminder that the thing that is the necessity to us is the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. Uh, John Wesley put it this way. Uh, He said, John Wesley wrote in the book, The Character of a Methodist. Uh, He wrote, he, and we could say that he, she, they, does good unto all men unto neighbors and strangers, friends and enemies, and that in every possible kind, not only to their bodies by feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting those who are sick or in prison, but much more do they labor to do good to their souls. Now there's a lot in this passage, but or in this, this part from this book, but one of the things I love about it, it says the character of a Methodist, and as a follower of Jesus and the Methodist tradition, We believe that our faith is not just practiced in our heart, in our life, but that it does. It overflows to to feeding the hungry, to clothing the naked, to visiting those who are sick or in prison. And in these times of quarantine and social distancing, the character of a Methodist looks out on the needs of those around us and says, what can I do to help? As I checked in and heard from a few people in our church today, many of whom are here on the list with us this morning, they would say to me, hey, I'm good, but if there's something that someone needs, I want to help. I don't know what I can do, but let me know if there's a need. That's the character of a follower of Jesus Christ, is that we're looking to help others. And John Wesley reminds us that the other side of that coin is that we also seek to do good for our souls and for the souls of others. Faith isn't just about how we serve outwardly. It's about how we cultivate a rich life with God within our hearts and within our lives. And this is one of the things I love about being a part of the Methodist Church is we bring together an inward, deep, and personal faith and an outward, justice-oriented experience that looks to to meet the needs and to bring uh, help and and seeks to, to bring injustices down. And we bring these two things together. And perhaps in this season, what it means is that we look for ways to share from our stockpile. We look for ways to share from the needs that we've had. Perhaps it's too radical to say, but can we trust that God will provide what we need when we need it 
without having to hoard. Is that too radical to say this morning? Well, the experience of the Israelites and the experience in Jesus' time and the experience of Christians throughout the ages who live through things that are similar to this, whether it's a plague or, or Romans or those kinds of things, their experience has been that God will provide for every need. Life will be hard and things will be tough, but God is with us. So for us as Methodists, one of the things that we can do is to ask and to seek out neighbors who are in need. And to trust that there are others who, when we experience a need, are there and are ready and are willing to say, I have extra, how can I help? How can I share what I have with you? And what we're doing when we say that is we are putting our faith into God and saying, Lord, I'm giving away some of what I stored up. And that gives me peace and security and serenity. But I know that my peace and security and serenity can't come from what I've saved up, but from who you are. I realize that what I'm asking us to do and to believe is going to put our faith right on the front lines. But that's exactly where we can meet God. So in the book of Acts, of course, the thing that the church became known for wasn't the large number of converts in it, and it wasn't uh, how well their worship services were done. The thing that the first church was known for in the book of Acts is, quote, sharing bread with gladness. They became known for the way that they shared bread together and for the way that they shared bread with those who were outside the church or outside the faith or who were not already a part of the inside group. They were known for their sharing. D.T. Niles says that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I think that's good for us. So as we pray the prayer, Lord, Give us this day our daily bread. I believe a question that you and I can reflect on this week is how is it with our soul? How is it with your soul? Is your soul hungry? Perhaps you have enough at home, but your soul is feeling hungry. Perhaps, as Snickers reminded us, you've gotten a little bit hangry. Right? And I'm not talking so much about food right now. I'm talking about are we doing things in our lives? Are we living in such a way where where we are, what all the anxiety is coming out outwardly. And what I'm saying is not that we shouldn't be worried or not that we shouldn't have anxiety. All those things are normal, and those are parts of life, and that's part of this experience we're in. The question I want to ask with how is it with your soul is for us to pay attention to what we're feeling and what we're expressing outwardly. And to allow that to ask us the question, how is it with our soul? Are we hungry? Perhaps... We are filled, and we do feel like we're able to trust in faith, and we do feel like despite the struggles and, and the frustrations and the insecurity that we're experiencing, that we're able to put our faith out there and say, I, I believe, God, that you are going to provide what I need when I need it, and that you're going to take care of us in this time. Perhaps you're someone who has some bread to share, and, and again, I, I mean literal bread, things that we can share, and perhaps you're someone who has some encouragement that you can share. And maybe your neighbor is struggling or having a really hard time, and they may have the food that they need, but they may need a word of encouragement. I think we are relearning once again the power of social and the power of community and the power of just a text or a phone call or a FaceTime or, or a Skype call to check in and to see how someone's doing. This season 
is calling us to take stock, not of our stockpile, but to take stock of our lives and to ask ourselves the question, how is it with my soul? And to do a spiritual inventory and to ask, what's in there? And what am I pulling from? For me, it's, a, it's as easy as if I am not reading my Bible and praying, I get hangry. And people around me know that. But if I can even take just a few minutes to read Scripture and center my mind and my heart on God, if I can have one of the kids remind us that, hey, God's got this, then I can begin to be reset back to that place where I live from faith and not from fear. And in this season, it's going to challenge us and push us in new and demanding ways that are very real and that cause very real reactions within us. And as the community and the body of Christ, we can help support one another in this season. So this question this morning of give us this day our daily bread asks, in whom do we trust? Like, really, whom do we trust? Because I was trusting that I could have money in my bank account to buy food and what I needed when I needed it. And now I've got to lean a lot harder on Jesus, and I know that you do too. Are we living by faith? Are we sharing what we have? Are we acquiring enough for now and saving some for others? Are we praying and asking God for help that we need? As we went to Publix, I went to Publix earlier this week to pick up some things, and as I got to the egg case, I knew that we needed eggs, and there was two cartons of eggs left. That's it. And my first thought, was grab both cartons. But of course, it was more important to leave some for someone else, to trust that God will provide, and that there might be someone who even needed those more than we did. How might we recognize those things? And my thought is, is that we can recognize those things as we continue to allow God work in our soul and in our heart. So a heart full of Jesus will fill the emptiest belly in the emptiest soul. And so I want to give us a moment to pause in prayer and simply allow God to speak to us this morning as we pray. Uh, if you would like to share a prayer request, uh, you can do that in the comments as a public one or in a messenger as a private one, if you'd like. We've got a prayer team who's going to begin to gather uh, Monday night to pray for the requests that are shared in a, in a private way. And also to try to find ways to connect with others and to make sure that people do have what they need whether it's physical or spiritual. If you'd like to be a part of that team, you can just comment, uh, tell me more about the prayer team in the comment below, and we'll take down your information for that. Uh, but let's pause in prayer, and then we'll close together, of course, with the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.